Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege you have tonight to study your word. We trust you to open our eyes of understanding, cause us to understand what you are teaching us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, our theme for the year, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which translates to walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Our text is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So today we are talking about the works of the Holy Spirit within part three. We did part two last week, we did part three this week. Our text is Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. Now, we are looking at the work the Holy Spirit does in the believer, which we said is not something that a lot of people really know about, and it's not something that a lot of people take notice of, but it's a major work that he does in the believer. Because when we talk of the Holy Spirit, everybody, many people think of power, you know, spectacular things, but he does very powerful things in the Christian. And these are the things we are looking at so that we are aware of them. So we cooperate with him. So let's look at one other important work he does in the life of a Christian, in your life. Ephesians 3, 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that will grant you according to the riches of, the glory, of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, according to the riches of his glory, according to the riches of his mercy, that God should grant us to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. It's not talking about outer physical man. It's not talking about physical strength. It's talking about spiritual strength that is infused in the inner man. And you know the importance of stress. Strength cannot be really overemphasized. Because even in the physical, when you are physically, physically weak, you cannot do much. You cannot do much. It's the same when somebody is spiritually weak. We can be spiritually weak. We can be spiritually strong. So that's, the, that's what he's doing. Paul said he's praying. It takes prayer too. That God will strengthen us in the inner man. with strength by his spirit. And you say, a lot of times we don't even know that we need this prayer. Because we don't know that we are spiritually down. When the fire is out, when we lose passion for the Lord, prayer is a chore. Spiritual things, spiritual exercises become a huge challenge. Studying the Bible, we're weak, we can't study. If we are praying, we sleep off. And we can't really serve the Lord profitably. It's a sign that you need to be strengthened 
in the inner man. And remember that without the strength of the Holy Spirit in the inner man, we really can do nothing. Because we do all things through the strength of supply. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We do everything through the strength that Christ gives us by his spirit. If Exodus 15.2, the Lord is my strength and song. And he's become my salvation. He's my God. And I'll prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I'll exalt him. The Lord is my strength and my song. So we need the strength that the Lord supplies so that we'll be able to do the things that the Lord wants us to do. For without that strength, we can do nothing. The Bible says, why will without strength Christ die for us? So he died to also give us strength. Now, the scripture says in Proverbs 24, 10, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So the reason we fell, we were not able to confront things and, and overcome, is because our strength is small. Remember Samson, when he lost the anointing of God, he couldn't fight his enemies. Remember Saul, Saul was a man upon whom the power of God was, was operating. But when he ceased to operate, he couldn't stand Goliath. So we need to see the importance of this prayer of Paul, that we should be strengthened in the inner man. It's a prayer that we need to be praying. And if we're not strengthened in the inner man, even the visions that God gave us, the things you know that God wants you to do, you'll not be able to do them. I was telling our men that sometimes we know, ah, God wants me to do this and God wants me to do that. But we find that we're not able because we're spiritually weak. We keep procrastinating, sometimes get confused, don't even know where to start. But it, it all takes the power of God to get things done. It takes the power of God to get things done. So we read Second uh, uh, Kings 19.2. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus said Hezekiah, This day is a day of, of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to the bath, and there is no strength to bring forth. So it is time to bath a vision, but there is no strength to, to bring forth. So it brings shame. It brings reproach. The vision is not executed. There is no strength. There's no strength to pray. There's no strength to study. There's no strength at all to bat God's giving vision. So praying in the Spirit was very handy in this area. Jude 1.20. But you, my delightful loved friends, constantly, 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 and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. Build up yourself by praying in the spirit. Energize your spirit by praying in the spirit. And Paul talks about the importance of this strengthening by the Holy Spirit in his work and in his personal life. He said in Philippians 1.19, and I'm reading Amplified, for I am well assured and they did know that through your prayers and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Christ. He's talking about the bountiful supply of the strength that Christ gives. A bountiful supply of the anointing. The Bible says, let not, let not your head lack fresh oil. Bountiful supply of the Spirit of Christ. Or you can say supply of the strength that Christ gives. 
said the Messiah, this will turn out for my preservation, for the spiritual health and welfare of my own soul, and avail towards the saving work of the gospel. This is in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself, nor be put to shame in anything, but that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage, now as always, therefore, Christ, the Messiah, will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or through death. You see what he's saying? He said, this is what I really desire. This constant strengthening of the Spirit of God. He said, through your prayer, I'm sure that God will strengthen me so that this work is done, so that my life will bring God glory. So you can see the importance of this prayer and this work that the Holy Spirit does in the Christian. It's a prayer that a Christian should be praying all the time, not just for yourself, but for your family and those that God has brought under your influence. Now I want to focus on this inner man. Who is he? And um, the, when the Lord began to direct me by his grace to talk about this, I thought initially that I missed God. I was saying, Lord, is this you? Is this you? You know, how should I focus on the inner man like this? I thought we were talking about what we are doing in the, in the, in the life of the Christian. Actually, I stopped my preparation and I kept praying. I prayed for a while and I found that I was getting, getting further away from peace. So I just came back and relaxed. I said, well, I'm sure that you guide me, you help me through it. I'm not, I, don't, I don't understand this. But after our Wednesday uh, Believers Fellowship, I saw why. It was clear to me why he wanted me to talk about the inner man. So we're going to talk about this inner man that we are praying that God will strengthen so that we'll understand more about him. And there are popular things that is being said about him. And we'll see if the scripture agrees also with those things. Number one, he's called the hidden man of the heart, not revealed to the senses, but he is real. First Peter 3, 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is great price. So he's called the hidden man of the heart. Why hidden? Because we don't see him. But he's a personality that is very much alive. He is born of the Spirit of God. Your inner man is hidden, but he's born of the Spirit of God. Because, and he has a spirit personality, not a physical personality. In John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's which we have when we go to delivery rooms, we have flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So which we have when we are born again by the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto thee, you must be born again. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the inner man is a spirit being and is hidden from your senses. It's hidden, so you cannot see him. But he is real. Now, he has the nature and life of God, being born of the Spirit of God. There is no alternative to that. Because, you see, when we, when we have our children in the hospitals, 
they, they, they have, there's, there's no other option than for them to have the nature of human beings. So when we have people who are born of the Spirit of God, there is no other alternative but for them to have the nature of the Spirit of God. So see how the Holy Spirit describes your own inner man. You are born again personality. That is real. See how it describes him in Ephesians 4.24. But on your new, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, it's, create, it's like God because he's born of God. He came out of God. And he says it is truly righteous and holy by nature. Because God is holy, God is righteous. So what he gave birth to is also holy and righteous. It is unthinkable that God will give birth to something that's unholy. So the new man, the born again spirit, your own spirit, was born righteous and born holy with no sin in it. First John 3, 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. After all, that's why you are born of God, because his life is in you. Your children are born of you because they have your life, your DNA in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. And then Christ lives in your spirit. This inner man we're talking about. Christ lives in this in your spirit, not in your flesh. Not in your flesh, but in your spirit. First Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Talking about you being a branch and he being the vine. So we are joined unto the Lord who is the main vine and we become one as the branch and the vine become one in nature. In nature. In nature. Because the vine supplies the branch nourishment. So we are joined unto his spirit as the branch joins to the vine. And he, he too illustrated, that, illustrated it for us that way. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So Christ dwells in us. Christ lives in your spirit. And your spirit is joined to him, like I said, like he taught us that he is the vine, but we are the branches. So that's how the joining is. Does this make you God or Christ or the Holy Spirit? Emphatically, no. Completely, no. You just cannot be. Simply the same way that your son is not the father. It's not the father. That if your son has your DNA, doesn't make him the father. He, he becomes you. He can look like you, but it's not you. It's not you. So we can't be him simply because we have his DNA. We cannot be him. You cannot be your father. You cannot say, oh, I have the DNA of my father, so I am my father. No, you cannot. And so you can't have the same privileges as your father has, even though you have his DNA. Even though you, 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 you chip off the, off the big, off this block, but you cannot be your father. The same way we cannot be Christ because we have uh, his spirit in us. No. So again, the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, 
even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So there is only one God. There is only one spirit. There is only one Lord. So there's no duplication in these things. If you read the scripture, you understand there is no duplication at all. There is no duplication. And the scripture tells us the first law that God gave us is thou shalt have no other God before me. It's God's first commandment. So God is not, didn't give us new life to create another God and violate his word. He didn't create another Christ. He didn't create another Holy Spirit. No. Because thou violate what he said. Thou shall have no other God before me. So there's only one. So here you, Israel, the Lord thy God is one. There's only one God. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one Christ. There is no duplication of that. Even he went, he went to put the second Lord there. He said, he said, we should not have any graven image to represent him in any form. So God cannot create another God, another Christ, another Holy Spirit, simply because we have his life in us, we have his seed in us, we have his DNA. That doesn't make us God. So emphatically, your inner man is not God, even though he has the life of God. It's not Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of a man. Secondly, we are created just like him, not, he, to, not him. Like doesn't mean we are him. Like. Carrying his image doesn't mean we are him. So in 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now we are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like, like him. Like him. Say you're like your father. Like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now, there is this phrase that is popular and it's been used by so many preachers. And it's been given this understanding that we need to see what the word of God means when he says that. As he is, so are we in this world. So let's read the scripture and let the scripture tell us. First John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God had for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. God is and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why do we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because as it is, so are we in this world. For you to understand this statement, you need to read from verse 16 to the end. You will see that the, 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 the theme and what is focused on is about the love of God. And I'm going to explain it by the grace of God. So it says, because as it is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love Casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So the subject matter in these verses is about the love of God for us. That's the pure subject matter. That's the simple subject matter. So what he's trying to say here is that we, we can be bold, even though there's judgment, but we can be bold. Why? Because we are loved as Christ was loved in this world. That's what it means. 
we are loved as Christ was loved. Because the subject matter of this discourse is that God loves us and we should know it. Let me, let me read it again. First John 4, 16, 19. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. See what it's talking about? It's about the love that God has for you. The subject matter is love that God has for us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in love, and God in him. Again, the subject discussion is the love of God. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Our love, when you understand that you're loved, you know that you're not coming under judgment. He said, the reason you, you, this will be is because, because as it is, so are we in this world. How is he? He's loved. He's, he's the beloved of the Father. It's not that the Father loves him once and no more. He's the beloved of the Father. And so we are loved the same way God loves him. We are loved the same way God loves Jesus. There is no fear in love. It is the subject matter again is, is love. So he said, let me read it again. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why do we have boldness? Because, because means for this reason. For this reason. Because as it is, so are we in this world. As God loves Christ, so he loves us. That's why we should have boldness in the day of judgment. We can measure his love by knowing how he loves Christ. And then we went on to say, there is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. Because fear had torment. He that fear it is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So the subject matter under discussion here is the love of God for you. And he's saying, as God loves Christ, it, so he loves you in this world. And because of that, you shouldn't fear judgment. You should be made perfect in love. So you should know he really loves you. You want to know how he loves you? Say, look at how he loves Christ. That's what he's saying that because as he is, so are we in this world. As God loves him, so we are loved. Again, you want to understand, you start from verse 16, you will see that what he's focusing and talking about here is the love of God for us. It's the love of God for us, that we should understand it. We should understand. Let me read it again. Say John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. See, the subject matter is the love that God has for us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The subject matter, again, is about the love of God for you. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Our love, herein is our love made perfect. It's a perfect love, cast out fear. How is it made perfect? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, who is he? Christ. So are we in this world. As God loves him, so he loves us. So our love is made perfect. It's a perfect love that God has for Christ. So he has a perfect love for you. And then he went on continuing talking about this love. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casted out fear because fear had torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So you can understand what that scripture is talking about is that we are loved like Christ. God loves Christ. And that should give you assurance that his love for you is solid. So you don't have fear. You don't have fear. You can go to God boldly. You don't fear judgment. You don't fear all these things that people who don't know the love of God fear. So the, 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 the inner man, as we're reading, is, 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 that's exactly what 
kept, you know, they've used this to preach. So, so many important preachers have been quoting this single line. And I've said it over and over here. Don't use one line of scripture. You must, to get it in context, you have to have three, four witnesses. You have to read it to know, get the context. You need to read it where it's coming from, where it's going. You can't take one verse and say, see, as it is, so are we. I'm like Christ. And then I'm like Christ. I'm like Christ. Yeah, we made like, they are made to be like him. But in the context in which the people are talking about it, it's not exactly what it means. That's not what that place is. What he's talking about is we are loved like God loves him. We are loved like God loves him. Yeah, we are made in his image. We are like him because we are made in his image. But it's not in the context in which we take one vice and, they, you know, oh, you know, you are, yeah, we are like him. But we are not him. We are like him, but it's different. We are not him. We must understand these distinctions. We must, there is one, one man that had very, very major gift of healing. He built Zion City. They closed hospitals because of him. Then all of a sudden, he came one day and told them that it's Christ now. It's now Jesus. It wasn't long that ministry fell apart and he died. You can Google it, Zion City. <laughs> you can Google it. He, they, he had such incredible gift of healing. So we're we not him. We're not him. He, he has all the glory and all the honor, all the adoration. We're just a branch. Again, does our spirit know everything? No. Again, let the scripture tell us. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us. So there are things not revealed to us, belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of this law. There are secret things that belong to the Lord. There are things that belong to us and our children. So God has not told us everything. The Bible says secrecy is the glory of God. Now, there's another one that is so popular, and they say that we know all things. And they quote scripture again. But let's see in what context is that verse. That will help us understand. It says in 1 John 2, 18, Let's see whether we know all things, really. In 1 John 2.18, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, are there many Antichrists? See, reading things in context is to go and read the verses before, and you keep going. Then you can get the context of a line. So he says, little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, are there many Antichrists? Whereby we know that it is the last time. See, there are many Antichrists, it's the last time. So the focus again is talking about Antichrist. So who are they? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One, 
and you know all things. Let's get it in context again. Again, let's keep reading. You know all things. Let's keep reading. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. So you see, what he's talking about, you know everything about this gospel, about this truth. Okay, let's keep reading. But because we know it, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. So it's like some of them have been deceived into false doctrine, and they are not denying that Jesus Christ is not the Christ, and they left the church. Let me keep reading. But he that denied that Jesus is Christ, he's, he's an antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whoever denied the Son and the Son, whoever denied the Son, the same had not the Father. So this bunch of people started teaching contrary to Scripture, and they left. So John is warning the church that there are many people like that who no more believe in Christ. They don't believe in Christ. So he's telling them that these are the antichrists he's talking about, these people that left. But let's continue. But he that acknowledged the Son had the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Keep listening to what you've heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. If you don't deny what you've been taught, then you continue in faith. Let's continue to read. If that which you've heard from the beginning shall, shall remain in you, you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he had promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. These people that left are trying to convince them that the gospel they believe is not true. They're trying to seduce them. So he's writing today. He said, I know you know that the truth we taught you is true. Let's continue to read. But the anointing which you have received of him abided in you, and you need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in it. He said, keep believing what you were taught. That truth is truth because the Holy Spirit taught it. And what you believe, you know all those truths. You know all things means you know all that truth that we taught you. We know that truth that we taught you. Because these people were trying to deceive them, seduce them away, to tell them that this, the gospel with their heart is no more true. You remember that Paul confronted these things also in the Galatian church. In so many places he went. He called them false brethren. He said they are false, there are false preachers, wolves in sheep's clothing. And John is writing that these people are seducing you too with false doctrine. They don't believe that Christ came in the flesh. They don't believe. And the same way, you know the truth we taught you. you let me read it in New Living Translation. 1 John 2.18, New Living Translation. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. 19. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. They were never Christians. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. Verse 20. 
but you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. You know the truth. So you, you are not like them. You know the truth we taught you. That's why I say you know all things. In King James, he say you know all things. In New Living Translation, he say you know this truth we have taught you. It doesn't mean you know everything like God. But what it says, what? okay, let's continue to 20. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between the truth and lies. 22. And who is a liar? He's now telling them, this is how you know them all. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. You know what we taught you. You know the truth we taught you. You will understand it very well. Remain faithful to that. That's what they say. We are writing you because you know the truth. You know, you are not confused about the whole truth we taught you. That's what, that's what King James said, you know all things. What are the all things? He's talking about the range of truth that we have taught you on this matter. We taught you on this matter. You know it. Verse 24 again, he says, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life he promised us. So don't let them seduce you. Remain faithful to what we taught you, the truth we taught you. The Holy Spirit gave you the revelation. You understand that this is true. He said this is the difference between a lie and the truth. So you know that they are lying. These are the Antichrist people. So he's urging them to remain in the truth which they know. But King James now wrote it in the King James language and said, you know all things. You understand what we have taught you. All things we have taught you. Everything we have taught you. You know all of it. But now we can take that line and go around and say, no, we know everything like God. We don't know everything like God. Because the scripture said, secret things belong to the Lord. There are things revealed to us. The only person who has omniscience is God. Only God knows everything. Only God. And only God is omnipresent, can be everywhere at any time. No person born again is omniscience. No person born again is omnipresent. We are not God. So Paul weighs in on this. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke and taught and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Verse 12, now we see things imperfectly. See Paul talking about us? We see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. You see, Paul said, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. So you can't take one verse and be running around and saying, oh, we know all things, we are like God. No. You should read it in context. Read it with other scriptures. 
We don't know everything. Only God knows everything. Only That's the exclusive nature of God. We call him the all-knowing God. We are not all-knowing. So Paul is saying here, all that I know now is partial and then complete. But then I will know everything, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. When I get to heaven, I will know more. But now, hmm, I don't know everything. And that's what the astronomy said, that the secret things belong to the Lord, and the things that are revealed to us is what we need now, we and our children. So Paul said, all that I know now is partial and then complete. That's why we keep studying, to know more. Because we don't know everything. Again, we're talking about the inner man, the born-again spirit. The Lord really was, I mean, it was a struggle for me yesterday. I said, Lord, teaching on the inner man, focusing on it. How does it have to do with the, the work you're doing? He said, just do it. Just teach it. Our spirit receives teaching from the Holy Spirit, because we don't know everything. Our spirit is educated. Our spirit is thoroughly educated. The scripture says that we can't know God by human wisdom. It's obvious that if you are not born again, you can't know God. You can't know the things of God. So our spirit, if, if it is intellectual discourse, then the Holy Spirit can, can teach you about God without being born again. Because he cannot teach you by your intelligence. No. It's not intellectual discourse. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. See? You can't know God by wisdom. He pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So the, the Spirit... Our spirit receives teaching from the Holy Spirit because it doesn't know everything. It does not know everything. All it knows is what has been taught to it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had Revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, and deep things of God. Verse 11 is very revealing. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? It's your spirit that knows the things of you. It is your spirit that reveals to you what God is, is revealing to him. God does not deal with you directly, this with your spirit. It is your spirit in you that knows the things of a man. He says, even so, the things of God know it no man, but the spirit of God. Now, we have received. He says, so, he says, no man knows the things of God except the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit teaches you the things of God because you don't know them. He has to teach it to you because you don't know them. If we know all things, then we don't need the Holy Spirit to teach us the things of God. Then we know everything about the things. No, we don't. So no man knows the things of God. No man. No man. But the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world. Watch the writing there, a small s, talking about our spirit. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. 
If it is the Holy Spirit, he uses capital letter S. I don't know if people call it uppercase upper, upper S. This is small, small, lowercase S. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit creatures of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So we have received the spirit of Christ. We are born again now. So we can know the things that are freely given to us by our spirit. Who knows the things about us? He didn't say, he didn't say that, he didn't say that, you know, for what man know the things of myself is, is intellect and intelligence. No, it's his spirit. It's his spirit. Verse 13. Which things also we speak? Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. So it's not an intellectual discourse. The things of God is not an intellectual discourse at all. It is purely spiritual exercise. Purely spiritual exercise, deep calling to deep. God talking to your spirit. God does not relate with our flesh. The flesh profits absolutely nothing. Has no use for it. It's the spirit that gives life. 13. Quick things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. It's not man's wisdom that teaches this. It's not what you teach by, you know, by your human understanding. But quick the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. There is nothing physical in this discourse. Nothing of this, nothing. It is spiritual thing in nature by exercise, by execution. Fourteen. But the natural man now receiving not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. No, he, he doesn't have, his, his spirit is dead. He doesn't have life. He's a natural man. He's dead in sin. So he can't understand it because he don't have the spirit to understand it. If it is what you understand intellectually, and God will open your understanding intellectually, you understand it, then God can make them understand it without their spirit. But it's not possible. It's not possible. He's spiritually dead. Dead. So everything of God is foolish. He can't understand it. Until his spirit is, is brought to life, until he has life, then through his spirit, God can begin to communicate spiritual things to him. Because it's spiritual things, talking spiritual things to the spirit person. It is spiritually designed. It is understood spiritually, not intellectually, not carnally. It is understood by your spirit. Romans 8.16. The spirit it's a bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. It doesn't bear witness with your intellect. It doesn't bear witness with your feeling. I say the flesh profits nothing. God does not relate with you by your intellect or by your body, by your feeling. No. No. God relates with you but through your spirit, the born-again spirit. The bo That's where God lives, inside of you. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, not with your intellect, not with your body. Because it does not communicate with your flesh. The flesh cannot understand the things of God. In Ephesians 4, 17, say, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Yeah, these people, are, you say they, are, they walk in darkness. They, they don't have the life of God. They, don't, they are not born again. 
So they can't understand the things of God. But we are not like that, man. We are not like that. We have the spirit of God. We are born again. So our spirit, by our spirit, we can understand the things of God. In Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, it says that the God of our Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Deep, call it to deep. Spirit of wisdom. And revelation. In the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, this eyes of understanding, obviously, is not your natural understanding. It's not, like I said, if you don't have the spirit of, if you are not born again, you can't understand the things of God. You become like the natural man now. You can't. You become the natural man. The natural man cannot because his spirit is dead. So when he talks about the eyes of our understanding, obviously he's talking about the human, the human spirit, the inner personality that has ability to understand the things of God. Remember, the Bible said that these things are beyond human understanding. They pass it human understanding. Human understanding, but not, not spiritual understanding. Not your spiritual understanding. The human understanding can't grasp it. But spiritual understanding, sure, because it is spiritually discerned. But it's not human, underst human understanding. It passes it. So the, the, the eyes of our understanding is enlightened, being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are. Now, some people, as, I mean, as the Spirit of God gives us this revelation to our spirit, this is a mystery that the Spirit of God, we use our spirit, he walks through our spirit to enlighten our, our intellect. He walks through our spirit, our own human spirit, to enlighten your intellect, to enlighten your intellect. So in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. If, if I have candle with which I'm going, it is that candle that I use to, to show to show anybody that's around, this is, follow me, this is path, this is chair, this is this, this is that. Light means enlightenment. It's the candle of the Lord, the candle that the Lord uses, searching all the inward parts of his belly, all the inward parts of his being. So he uses the spirit of a man as a candle to show, to enlighten the man. To sh like, remember, I said my word is lamp. The spirit of man is like lamp. It's like light, lantern. It's like a, a light that God uses to enlighten, to bring enlightenment to your, to your intellect so that the things of the spirit be, make sense to your intellect. But some Christians don't have understanding because they're not interested. They're not interested in knowing, so they don't know. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, he said, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It's writing to Christians. They don't have the knowledge of God because they're too busy watching television, playing games, you know, on the internet, and they don't have time for that. So they don't have the knowledge of God. They don't have it. If they want it, they will have it. That's why faith is of the spirit. Because by your spirit, you know the things of God. 
you actually receive by your spirit. Sometimes you know you have been healed even before you say that. By your spirit, you have that witness that you've been healed even before your body knows it. But you know things by your spirit. You know when things happen by your spirit. You know when your prayer is answered by your spirit. Your spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit witnesses to your spirit. The things of the spirit world. You receive things of your spirit. I know when I've received something before I've been saved. And you too know. It's by your spirit. When people want to receive something by their physical, they miss it. Because their physical and their brain don't know what is going on here. They will know when they see. But you know when you don't see. It's called faith. So in Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. See, it's by your spirit you believe because your spirit knows what the Holy Spirit is telling him, is, is witnessing to him about the spiritual realities in the realm you don't see. In the realm you don't see. In the realm you don't see. So faith is of the spirit. It's of, that's why you, can, you have faith, but your intellect will have doubt. They are always, always there. Your intellect and your feelings will have doubt. But inside of you, your spirit has faith because your spirit has received revelation from the Holy Spirit. So we, so we grow our spirit. The inner man needs to be grown. First Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. We need to desire the sincere milk of the world so we can grow thereby. As newborn babes, we take milk. It makes it clear that we are born spiritual babes. Because he said, we take milk, not hard food. He says, they are hard food. Yeah, Paul talks about carnal Christians, they can't take hard food. He said, they only take milk. Yeah. Milk is what you don't need, you don't need, you don't chew for it to take it in. But the, the things, there are things you have to chew in the revelation of God to take it in. So milk is what you don't chew, it doesn't take effort. For you to take it in. Those ones, the baby Christians can easily take it in. If you begin to teach them the departments of God, they choke on it. So the spirit man needs to be, is born a baby and takes milk. It takes milk of the word. Peter said, Peter to, to as newborn babe, desire the sincere milk. Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the spirit man grows. And we grow it as we feed it with the word of God. We say that the food of the spirit is the word of God. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. The new man is renewed in knowledge. The new man, the new man is renewed in knowledge. According to the image of him who created him. He's calling the new man him. According to the image of him who created him, is renewed in knowledge. Is renewed in knowledge. Where did we see renewed again? We see renewed in Roman, Romans chapter 12. Talking about telling us how to be transformed again by renewing our mind. So the new man is renewed in knowledge. He's renewed in knowledge. He grows. 
by, by feeding it the word. Remember, we just read First John telling them, see, you know the things we taught you. Believe them. Don't leave them. You know those, those things are true. You know the truth that we taught you. You understand everything about it. So as we stay with the word, as we stay with the word, we are growing as spiritually. We are growing spiritually. And the Bible says by, by reason of use, we come to a point where we can easily discern good or bad. We can easily discern good or bad. You don't easily discern good or bad with your head knowledge because your head knowledge will give you a pass mark on so many things that spirit will not give you. Let me read the collection 310 again. I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor circumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all that matters because this new man is a spirit. It's a spirit being. It's a spirit being. Remember again that this knowledge we are talking about is not intellectual knowledge. It is spiritually discerned. It is spiritually understood. And only your spirit can understand it because it's spiritually understood. In Acts 20, 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Again, when he's talking of building up, it's not talking about physical building up. And it's not intellectual building up. Because we're not talking of intellectual exercise here. We're talking of a purely spiritual exercise. Purely spiritual exercise. Spiritual things taught by the Holy Spirit to your spirit. Spiritually designed. It hasn't mentioned anything about intellectual. It's not intellectually designed, no. No. So when you talk about this growth, it's talking about spiritual growth. He said to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now, there's another one that we use that will have the mind of Christ. Now, let's see what the scripture says about them. <laughs> I told you that when the Lord was saying, teach this, I, I, I didn't believe him. I said, Lord, I missed you. Honestly, I was, I was talking to him. I said, Lord, I, I'm sure I missed you. I said, teach these things? What has it got to do with what we're talking about? But believe you me, after Wednesday night, I said, Lord, Wow. You want me to address issues so that people have clarity. And because without this clarity, if they have this cloudiness in their mind, then the things you are doing in their spirit, they will not be able to receive it. They will try to receive them with their intellect and things and get confused and fail. So we needed to make, bring clarity so you understand your spirit, man. Understand the nature of your spirit, man. Understand the limitations it has. Understand that you need to build it up with the word of God. So you, you engage in all those things. Because the more it grows, the more you're able to discern, understand what God is saying to you. So now, do we have the mind of Christ? Let the Bible teach us. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Because this is another popular one. That, oh, you know, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Okay? Let's read it in context again. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the word, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The man 
whose spirit is dead cannot receive the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 15. But he, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. 16. For who had known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So what is he talking about here? That we have the mind of Christ. You need to read it in context from, and get the discourse. So you know how, why this will have the mind of Christ came and what it means. Let me read that, this verse 16 in TPT. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord, Yahweh, well enough to become his counselor? So you see, nobody knows the mind of the Lord well enough to, to counsel him. We don't have that ability. But he says, Christ has... Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. So we have the perceptions of Christ. We can see things from Christ's point of view. We can see things from Christ's point of view. We are not like those who don't receive the things of God. We are not like those who are natural, who cannot receive the things of God. Because we have, our spirit has Christ in him, and life is in our spirit. So our spirit is alive and can see and can hear and can perceive and can talk. It's not dead. First Corinthians 16, let me read it again in this translation. Said, As the scripture said, who can know what is on the lost mind? Who is able to give him advice? They are quoting Isaiah 40, 13. They say, but we have been given Christ's way of thinking. We have been given the ability to understand God. That's a summary of what that it means. That we have the mind of Christ, is that we have, have the ability to understand. We are not like those natural people who cannot, who cannot understand the things of God. Why? Because we are born again. We are born again. We have the life of God in our spirit. So we can understand the things of God. Again, let me go back and read. This first Corinthians 2.12, so you can understand it in context. Now we have received, you see, what we have received. That gives you this perception that Christ has. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. We receive the spirit which is of God. We receive life from Christ. We ask, we ask Christ to come into our life, and he came in the person of the spirit of God. So the spirit of Christ lives in us. And because he lives in us, that we might now know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's exactly what he's saying in this last line, they will have the mind of Christ. Because the spirit of Christ in us is in us. So we can now know the things that is freely given to us of God. Quit things also we speak. Not in the words, quit man's wisdom teaches, but quit the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged by no man. For who had known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we now have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. So we have the ability to understand the things that is really given to us. We are not like the natural man who doesn't have it. That's basically what he's saying here. Now, let me show you 
what will show you that that is what he's saying. In Philippians 2.5. Look at Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ. Well, I thought we have it. I thought we have it automatically. Let the, this mind be in you, which was in Christ. If I have it, why are you telling me to be, it should be in me? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Allow yourself to operate the mindset of Christ, which also you have received when you receive Christ into you. It's not automatic. To operate the mindset of Christ is to operate from his perspective. To operate things that the spirit is revealing to your spirit. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6 says, who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God. So he's saying, have the same mind and attitude that Christ has. Have the same understanding that Christ has to make himself nothing. It's all part of being taught. So we can align our thoughts with that of the Lord Jesus. When you say you have the mind of Christ, you say, yes, you have the ability to know things from Jesus' perspective. But do we always do that? No. Why? Because we need to be taught. So now here, Paul is teaching them, you should let, let, you should let, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. What's he saying? He said, think the same way Jesus taught. Act the same way he acted. Have the same attitude he had. Have the same understanding you have. Why? Because you'll be able to. Because he has given you his spirit. Because you have his, you have his life in you. And you are not like the natural man who can't understand these things I'm saying. So when the scripture says we have the mind of Christ, what he's saying is that, yes, we have the ability. We are not like the natural people who can't understand. We have the ability to understand the things of Christ. So here now, Paul is saying, since you have the ability, okay, let that function. Let it function in that capacity. Function in that capacity. So if you have the mind of Christ, you are not saying anything different apart from that you are, you are not a natural man. You are not a natural man. That's what they are saying. You are now a spirit being. So you can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to your spirit. You have the spirit of Christ in you. He has quickened you. He has given you life. Your spirit is now alive and can communicate with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what you are saying. You have the ability to see things from his perspective. Does it make you Christ? No. I want to deal with the thing with the question that was asked yesterday. About whether we are really perfect. 
Are we perfect? Are we perfect? Hebrew 10, 14 says, For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. By, the, by one offering, by one offering, we are made perfect, and we are still being made holy. Now, how, what did the Bible talk about our being perfect? Number one, we are perfect by, by creation. We are perfect by creation. Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So you are created holy and righteous. So you are perfect in creation. Colossians 2.11, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed the spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. You see, if your sinful nature is cut away, then you are perfect, you are holy. And he's not talking about, this is not circumcision that was done physically. He says it's not a physical procedure. Then he's now talking about your spirit, that the new spirit you have has no sin in it because Christ has cut away the sinful nature and given you a new nature which is holy and righteous. So in that sense, he's made you perfect. We are perfect because of the blood that intercedes for us. Hebrews 10, verse 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So through the sacrifice of Jesus, our sins was washed away. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. 14. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. We read that, 15. And the Holy Spirit also testified that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart, and I will write them in their minds. 17. He, then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need for, to offer any more sacrifices. So he's saying, by this sacrifice of Christ, forgiveness has been given to us. Our sins are forgiven. Or you say, what of the, if you commit sin, you confess it, God will forgive you. It's a privilege we have. Verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So, because of the blood of Jesus, God has made us perfect, made us holy. It is planned to make us holy through the blood. Washing away our sins, we are clean. If we are not clean, we can't come to his presence. If we come, we'll be consumed. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And don't forget that Christ is still pleading with his blood as our great high priest, ministering with his blood that is speaking for you and for me, interceding continuously and asking for mercy. And because of the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed. Look at what Paul wrote in Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He says, God, Jesus said to him, faith in Christ brings you sanctification. Why? It brings you forgiveness of sin. It brings you forgiveness of sin. 
And when sins are forgiven, God says you are free, you are sanctified. That's Bible. Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Jesus, the one who made this the new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of heaven. So we are sanctified by, by creation, created holy and pure. By the work of the blood, we are clean, our sins are forgiven. We are sanctified by the faith we have in Christ Jesus. Because once you have faith in Christ Jesus, all these things are yours. But then we are still being sanctified. We are still being made holy. In Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. All these things are done. Because of all these things, we should surrender our lives to Christ. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you now so there's transformation still going on. Even though we've been made perfect, but our, our, our eternal manifestations of this perfection, we need to work on our understanding until our life conforms to that which is inside. And how does it happen? It is by knowledge, not by laws. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the way it works, not by laws. It's by knowledge. It's by knowledge. It's by knowledge. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So there's a continuous sanctification going on. There's a continuous being made holy going on as we are transformed into the image of Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been teaching, that is here to produce Christ in us. It's here to produce Christ in us, both by teaching, strengthening us in the inner man, producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it does. But did the blood wash us clean? Yes. Are we created perfect? Yes. But do we act perfect? No. And so the Spirit of God keeps working in us. So it takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. I, I, I thank God for this. I pray that God has helped us to go through all of this so that I can now go back next Thursday and teach on what our continuous things, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, let's talk of healing. Acts 14, 9. The same heart Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. He leaped and walked. He had faith to be healed. But he hadn't walked yet. But he had faith. He had faith. So having faith is not all you need. You must have faith. But there's something you need to do. You can have faith and still not experience the healing. Here I said, the same heart Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So he had faith to be healed. But the healing has not manifested. But he had faith. So you can be, you can be full of faith and still not see the manifestation of the healing. And verse 11, so let's see another example. Matthew 9, 2. And behold, they brought to him a man 
sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven. Jesus, seeing their faith, so they had faith. Jesus saw it. But has it worked yet? No. But Jesus saw it. They have faith. But has it worked yet? No. So, let me read another one. So, they had faith, but still not healed. Therefore, having faith is the first step to experiencing your healing. Because you must have faith. And you have faith. Remember, you already have faith in Christ. And faith in Christ brings you healing. All the blessings of God are yours. Because of your faith in Christ. And once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, healing is yours. There's no question of that. Healing is yours. You are a heir of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus. Everything Jesus paid for on the cross, it's automatically yours. You don't have to beg for it. Because you have faith in Christ. So you have faith. By the grace of God, we're going to talk more of this on Sunday. <clears throat> because the Lord told me, say, keep talking this until they get it. If they get it, they get healed just like that. Healing is the cheapest thing if you get what I'm saying. Cheapest thing. It don't take effort. So you already have faith. So we can check that for you now. Because you believe in the Lord Jesus. So you have faith to be healed. So we check it. You are past that one. Look at Romans 8, 17. If children, are you not a child of God? Then you are here, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we might be also glorified together. So if you are healed, he's glorified. Jesus is glorified. But the suffering of pain and all these things, don't, don't let it make you deny God. But Jesus is glorified. So if you are a child of God, you are a heir of God, you are joint heir with Jesus of all the blessings of heaven. Now, Ephesians 1, 13. And now, you Gentiles have also had the truth. Haven't you heard the truth? You have heard the truth. Christ is the truth. And you believe the gospel. The good news that God saves you, and you have been saved by faith. And when you believed in Christ, haven't you believed in Christ? You do. So he has identified you now as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. You have the spirit of Christ in you. You have the spirit of God in you. That's what we're talking about. You have believed in, you have had the truth. You are saved by faith. You have believed in Christ. He has identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he has promised you. The spirit is God's guarantee now. See what it means. God's guarantee that will give, you, give us the inheritance he promised us. It, the, the spirit is guaranteed that healing is your own. If you are doubting it before, stop doubting. The spirit that God gave you, the spirit of Christ in you, because he said, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. But since you have him in, in you, then it's a guarantee that healing is your own. You don't have to beg for it. It's your own. It's a guarantee. You know what guarantee means? It means this is yours, guaranteed. I've said, if, if, uh, if you understand what I'm saying, healing is the cheap. There's nothing with God that's difficult. Oh, nothing. 
God made everything simple, easy, brought it to the lower shelf. God doesn't want us frustrated, struggling to do this. No. That's why he told me, he said, tell them they have faith. Tell them stop struggling. They have faith already. I gave it to them. Healing is the easiest thing, cheapest thing a Christian will experience. God didn't make it. He, he had carried the heavy load. Jesus said, my yoke is simple. I didn't come here to give you yoke. And put. Say, give me your own yoke. Let me carry it so you have rest. Let me say it again. Healing is the cheap. I don't care what this disease is. Whether it's cancer or whatever. Instantly. Because the power of God destroyed the thing in one second. In one second. In what I mean. In, oh my God. In one second. Because the Spirit of God is here to, is here to perform the, the word that you believe, that this is yours. So the Spirit of God guarantees you healing. What, what, come on, it's all yours. Fourteen, the Spirit is God's guarantee that will give, you, give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. Not one man be saying, oh my God, when will this thing go? No. You have healing already. Guaranteed. You see, we are praying and fasting. You have access to God. Guaranteed. That spirit gives, the Bible said through the same spirit, we have access to God. That spirit in you shows that you are a member of his family. It's your father. You can call him Abba Father. He's prompting you to call me Abba Father. That's, you say, me? Yeah, you. Don't you have a spirit? You have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. When, he, when you believed in Christ, he identified you that you are his own, giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. And the spirit is God's guarantee. God's guarantee that healing is yours. See what, what guarantee he gave us. Let me show you. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the, look, if, if, the, if the enemy ever tells you that you can't get this, you can't get this. It's a lie. Oh, because you can do all things. It's a lie. It's a serious lie. You, you can do all things. Step out. God loves it when we are bold. Ah, oh, yeah. It glorifies him when we step out in boldness. Step out in boldness. And put your feet in the impossible. And see God show up. Be a, Goliath, a David that takes on Goliath. And God is glorified. Take on your Goliath, my friend. Take it on. And make your boast. David boasted in his God. He said, my God will finish you today. Today, everybody will know that God is in Israel. Today. Be a David. Take on your Goliath. With that confidence, faith you already have in, in Christ, I'm the, I have the spirit of God. So healing is my own. Take on Goliath and knock him down. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The Lord that was within me, bless his soul in him. Does it look like murmuring? Does it look like complaining? Does it look like checking over my God? Does it look like that? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? We've been, I've been preaching it. It's a covenant. Forgiveness is a covenant 
that God gave us. He said, your sins and iniquities, I'll remember them no more. David said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. How come we find it difficult to believe that Christ really died for our sins? And we sing it in church all the time. But after singing it, we don't believe it. We sing it all the time. Walk and wash away my sin. And sometimes we, we cry with handkerchief and paper towel. Some of the towels stick on our face. You know, we are singing it and, and uh, <laughs> making emotion. God is not impressed in emotion. God is impressed in faith. If you don't accept forgiveness of sins, you will not be able to walk in faith. The devil will see to it because you have guilty conscience. You have all manner of things you are going to be doing, thinking that God is interested. Why did he, that, why did he smite his son for you? The Bible says he laid on him all our iniquities. Don't they read it? You think it's a joking matter? If you disrespect those things God did, how are you going to walk with the Holy Spirit? And the first benefit, who forgives all your iniquities? Believe it now. The blood is speaking for you, mercy. Christ is your high priest standing before God on your behalf. Who heals all your diseases? Yep. These are benefits you have. Check him. It's your benefit. The spirit of God guarantees this. It's not whether I have it or not. You have it, I have it. I, you have it. I, I told you healing is just the cheapest thing. It, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's yours. The day you believe it's yours, they're gone. Believe is yours. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Look at, look at what the Spirit guarantees you. Isaiah 54, 53, 4. Surely, my sicknesses he had borne, my pains he had carried them. If he bore them and carried them, why should I carry them? I'm not going to carry them. I'm not carrying them because I, he took them. He took them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and, and afflicted, and his pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace on him. And by his bruise, there is healing to me. By his bruise, there is healing to you. God brought you healing. By his stripes, by his bruise, there is healing for you. Didn't you read that? When are you going to take it and say, yeah, it's me. It's me, oh. Guaranteed by the Spirit in you. Guaranteed. Now, now we have faith. That's step one. So we check it for you. Let me show you step two. How to make that faith work. Remember, we read, Jesus saw their faith, but the man has not worked. He's still lying down. And Paul saw his faith, but the man was still lame. So we're going to see the step they took and which you can take today. You can take the same steps and get the same thing they got. So you need to release your faith. And so that's what they did. You need to release your faith by action. Faith without action is dead. You need to act like you mean it, like, act like the word of God is true. If you believe it, act now and say so too. You release it by acting, release it by saying so. 
act, 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 and say. Say what he said. Second Corinthians 4, 13 says, we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed. Therefore, I have spoken. The Bible says, you have the same spirit of You have the same spirit of faith. You have it. And they said, therefore, speak to now. Say what you believe. Say it now. He healed me by the source of Jesus I was made with. Say so. Whether you feel it or not, it doesn't matter. Just say it. Because you have, he said, we have the same spirit of faith. You and I have it. So we already have it. According as it is written, I believe, and you do. Therefore, have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. So you release it by speaking what you believe, and you release it by acting out what you believe. Let's see how these people did their own. Let's see how they did their own. Let's go and look at what they did. Let's, let's go back to the two people we read before. Acts 49. Let's see how this man released his faith and instantly, pop! I told you healing is this, it's not difficult. Oh, it's not difficult. Acts 49. The same heart Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. He had faith and you have faith. But has the man been healed now? No. Then Paul told him to release his faith. Release it and, 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 and get up. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. Act. You are healed. Act like you are healed. Act like it. Take action. Take a step, an action. That shows, yeah, I believe this. Take action. He said, then stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. The man leaped. This one is not whether, no, no, he leaped. That's, and it was when he started to get up that, boom, that lameness disappeared. You have to take action. You, and they start taking action, you continue to take action. You have to take action. You have to. Let's see this, this other one. Matthew 9, 2. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on the bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemed. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your heart? See, when, when you don't believe that God, that God sacrificed his son and his blood washed away your sin, the Bible says you are thinking evil. You are thinking evil in your heart. Because you are belittling the work of the cross. Five. For whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and walk. Which one is easier? Okay. Verse six. But that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. You see, keeps coming about this forgiveness of sin. Forgive, I have power to forgive sins. I have power to forgive sins. So he's healed. So if you don't believe your sins are forgiven, you hold on to your sickness and stay there. You must be humble. Humble yourself and say to God, yeah, Jesus took away my sins. His blood washed me clean. I have forgiveness of sin. Period. That's the first benefit we read in Psalm 103. Who forgiveth all thy, thy iniquities. All. Why not believe it? Why not take it so? Why rejecting it? Do you have something better? For whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk, 
but that, he, that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. Then say thee to the sick of the palsy, Arise. Hey, get up. Jesus didn't touch him. Jesus didn't say, let's pray. Let's pray. No, something like that. Say, I see you have faith, but you remain there. Act your faith out. Paul said, I see you have faith. Get up. I see you have faith. Get up. The man jumped up. Jesus did the same. Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto the house. And he arose, departed. Did you hear the, the, the shake? Did he, the, the Bible didn't say he was shaking. You know, no, no, he just, arise, get up. And the, the man rose up. And he arose, departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled. Glorify God, which had given such power unto men. They saw it. That was when they realized it's true. Before they were saying, who is this man that forgives us? And Jesus said, I see you have it. But you are lying there now. Okay, get up, carry your mouth, go home. Another place he said to this, 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 this person whose who sandals was with that, he said, stretch it forth. No prayer, not, stretch it forth. Act your feet. Stretch it forth. The woman, boom, the thing, boom. Do it. I'm telling you, do it. Do what you were not doing before. Do it. You, you have faith, yeah. We have checked it for you, congratulations. You have faith to be healed, sure. And Jesus has seen you have faith because you believe in him now. Has given you the Holy Spirit, guarantees you healing is yours. Then act like it's yours. Do it. I remember sometime Kumi will be telling us after prayer, we say, do what you are not doing before. Do, do. And then all these lame men will, will be getting out of their wheelchair. And immediately they get up, pump, they start running. Now understand what he was doing. Say, do what you are not doing before. Do it, do it, do it. Release your faith. Get up. I'm telling you now, do what you are not doing before. Release your faith. And Bible says God is glorified by it. You have to. You must have to. Do what you are not doing before. And stop talking like you're sick. Stop talking like that. You, you release your faith also by word. Say, because we believe, we say so. We say so. We say so. How are you doing? I'm fine. But I, no, don't worry about it. I receive healing. Healing mine. You can't talk me out of this one. I have it. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, I'm so grateful. Lord, thank you. Taking me through this uncharted, uncharted territory. Oh, Lord, thank you. Through this uncharted teaching, you know how many hours we spoke. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful that I'll get back next week to what are familiar things. Thank you for what you taught us on faith and healing, which is true. I thank you for what your spirit is doing. I can't add to it. I don't have anything to add but to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.